Hello there, and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We're excited that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and to listen to us. We certainly hope and pray that Christ would be glorified, you as our listener would be edified. For more information about us, please go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all one word, all lowercase. There you can find out a lot more information about us. We have a prayer request page there. You can submit your Bible questions and your comments. We get lots of those throughout the time of this podcast. We are grateful and feel blessed that we have so many good listeners and good questions. And we even get emails saying that they're praying for us. And we really love that. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you, please, to open it up and follow along as we go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And this will be our our, uh, traditional, I guess you might call it that, Easter podcast. And so... Uh, You know, most uh, church services on Easter Sunday in the uh, United States, anyway, they always start off, He is risen. He is risen indeed. That's usually uh, some theme there, and there's no doubt that He has rose from the dead. But I'm not going to do all of that in today's podcast. We will talk about the resurrection, of course. But before you can have a resurrection, you got to have a death. Somebody has to die in order to be resurrected from the dead. And that's what we're going to also talk about. So again, if you have a Bible, please open it up and follow along. If you're on the internet listening currently, you can go to our webpage and click on the uh, weekly Bible verse. And there it will take you to a webpage that you can use a Bible on a version of your own. And they have many different languages there. We do not support them in any way financially, and they do not support us. It's just an easy tool for you to use and access. It's readily available. So I want to begin reading in John chapter 20, starting in uh, verse 1. We probably will read the entire uh, chapter before it's over. So bear with me here, and please follow along. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw that the stone already been taken from the tomb. So she ran and came Simon Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciples went forth, and they were going to the tomb. See, they know where he's been buried. Okay, They know where that tomb is at, and something to keep in mind. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter, and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Verse 6, And so Simon Peter also came following him, and entered the tomb. Now notice John, it's uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He stays outside. He's looking in, but Peter goes in and and saw that the linen wrappings were lying there. Verse 7, And the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple whom had first come to the tomb, then he also entered. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so she wept and stooped 
and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been laying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go tell my brethren, and say to them, I ascend to my Father and to your Father, my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. They, uh, they really truly believed that Jesus was dead. That he was dead indeed. There was no doubt in their mind. I mean, they had watched him. He had been beaten. They had seen him crucified. They had seen him buried. He was dead. And with him died all their dreams and all their hopes and everything they believed in. We need to understand, to, to the best of our ability, this group of folks, they... They had given everything to this man, their past, their present, and even their future. They had great hopes until these three days kind of come and go, and it kind of seemed uh, kind of like a, a pretty good bargain that had gone away. All had, add, had asked what was their faith in this mystery. I mean, for the most part, they did. Jesus has been telling them all along about this mystery, that how he's going to suffer, uh, be handed over to the Gentiles, uh, he will be mocked, he will die, and he will rise. But they didn't quite understand all of that. They, it just was a little beyond their comprehension. And so, uh, for the most part, that seemed really impossible to them. Even though they had seen blind people regain their sight, they watched him walk on water, uh, they watched the lame heal, the lepers heal. Uh, they watched other people uh, being raised from the dead. And they believed in all their hearts and all these things that they could actually see that Jesus was standing there in front of them. But not anymore. Now their beliefs were as dead as Jesus himself in their mind. There was nothing to do for them but to go home to leave their hopes, to leave their dreams, and just walk away and go home. Why? Because he was dead. Unless what Mary really had seen was true. She had seen an empty tomb right along with the other two men. She had seen this unoccupied grave clothes. She had seen the two men in dazzling robes asking her, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? I mean, even these angels are telling her, He is not here. He has risen. 
If that were the case, and he really is not dead. He is now alive. If he was alive, then everything was just going to be all right. Their hopes and their dreams could be restored. So here's the dilemma that we all face on this resurrection day, on resurrection morning. He's dead. And therefore our beliefs are dead. Our dreams and hopes are shattered and we must all just go home if we do not believe in our resurrected Jesus. Or do we believe on what Mary reports in the scripture reading as being absolutely true? He's alive. He has walked out of that grave. That he truly has risen indeed. And everything's going to be okay. Our hopes and dreams again can be restored. Or resurrected, if you would. I've read several places over the years that 99% of all human beings believe in a God or a higher power or a creator of some form or another. And I think the other 1% are just lying. But when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus, the numbers dramatically drop quickly and most have their doubts. And sadly, this includes professing Christians. So in today's podcast, I'm going to try my very best. You should have no doubts to be able to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. And at the end of this podcast again, I, I think you will know once for all, no questions, no doubts. You're going to have to be more certain of facts that you're willing to stake your life on and be willing to say there's absolutely, positively, I believe it. It's true. That Jesus was risen. He's risen indeed. That's right. How... Can I do this? Well, if I would say he's standing right behind you right now, how many people would turn and look? Now, a few people might have actually looked over their shoulders saying, what in the world is that guy talking about? Two things have happened. Uh, again, those who didn't turn around, they're, they're no better, no worse than the apostles that lived for, with Jesus for three years. And it says the word seemed to them to be an idle tale, and they did not believe them. That's in Luke 24, 11. Even again, even though Jesus had told them this was going to happen over and over again, he made it clear he was going to be turned over to the Gentiles by the Jewish leadership. He would be crucified and he would die. For the second group who actually maybe try to look over their shoulder, maybe a little like Peter, your your heartbeat maybe went up a little bit, or you wanted to believe it, what I said was true, or at the very least you were curious. We are no better, no worse than Peter who got up and ran to the tomb to look for proof himself. Don't forget, you have Judas. Uh, after Jesus has appeared to the twelve, uh, or the eleven I should say, uh, Judas is not there. Uh, so it really makes 10 if you stop and think about it. But he doesn't believe it. He wants to see Jesus in the flesh. He wants to see his holes in his hands and his feet and so on. And so asking for evidence is very human. It's not unreasonable to do that. In researching for the podcast today, I I was somewhat surprised that probably 90% of uh, my resources that I had over the years, reading uh, the outlines, 
other preachers or commentaries, and I very rarely use a commentary, but I was kind of curious what they had to say on this. It was to prove that Jesus really had risen indeed. The attempt is really kind of weak, and and I'm going to try to maybe strengthen that so that as we go through this, you can also be strengthened in knowing that Jesus really, really died, and he really, really rose from the dead. Because we want to be certain. We want to be like Peter. We want to run to that grave, make sure that tomb really is empty. There's a man by the name of Lee Strobel, and he is a, a, a an atheist at the time that he would uh, go and research out the things that his wife uh, was trying to tell him. Apparently, they both were atheists early in their marriage, and she uh, would be uh, become a Christian in some Chicago church there. Don't know the name of it, but anyway, he thinks it's a big hoax. He thinks all the money she's given him and things on Sunday morning is just a poor resource of their money, and he's going to prove once and for all to his wife, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the resurrection of Jesus is a hoax. However, if you read his book, The Case for Christ, what he ends up claiming is that he discovers was a, a, a load of good, solid evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, and not against the resurrection, but for the resurrection. And begins trying to prove the resurrection day by starting off with the death of Jesus and moving through the post-resurrection by examining the life of the disciples and their claims. And like I said, it's an interesting book. I don't know that it made my faith any stronger or weaker. Uh, there's some spots in the book that I just say, okay, whatever. But it is a good book overall. And if you want to read it, I would suggest that you pick up a used copy. And so, here we are in Genesis chapter 1. In the very first line of the entire Bible, Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and earth. Now, just stop and think about that. That's an amazing thing. It's a mystery. How does God do that by just creating it? I mean, he just opens his mouth, and there it is. And yet, most human beings, including the great minds over time, admit there has to be uh, some type of a higher power. Well, I already knew that because Genesis chapter 1 told me so. And so this idea that we all crawl out of an ocean and, I don't know, swing from trees or snails or whatever, I don't buy any of that. That's all garbage. Uh, our bodies are too complicated uh, for that to have happened. And there's just too much about it. And so if you and I can accept the very first words of the Bible in faith, then what everything else uh, keeps coming at me and you, uh, we can believe it through the study of the Word of God. We can have this trusting faith in the rest of the promises that God has laid out. And as far as I know, God has not lied yet. Uh, he has risen. The first Messianic prophecy will be found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That is the first clue that there is a Messiah coming. It's not some kind of a cruel joke by God that he's trying to keep everybody in the dark about certain things. 
the the mystery of life or what we make fascinating and and worth living i used to really enjoy reading mysteries uh there's a lot of mystery books out there. I don't read them anymore. But we all enjoy a good mystery, I think. We like to solve problems or those things that are mysterious to us. The mysteries of God are all about one thing, that I can count on them, and it can make my heart real excited and pound, just like Peter's did as he ran to that grave to see if that grave was really empty. Again, I enjoy this mysteries of this world, but how about, example, here's a few ideas. How about trees that, that hibernate in the winter? And they wake up and they grow new leaves in the spring. I mean, how do they do that? What about flowers? I mean, they bloom at certain times of year, and the other times of year they're, they're not in bloom. Do they have some kind of knowledge uh, when to do all of that? I mean, a single grain of wheat planted into the ground reproduces many, many fold of more grains of wheat. How does it do that? I mean, caterpillars into butterflies, birds migrating thousands of miles without any kind of electronic guidance systems, even butterflies travel long, long ways. Fish that swim upstream and then let's not forget about those babies and they start by two tiny cells meeting and they know just how to divide and multiply into individual parts that make up all of our organs and turn it into this human body talk about exciting mysteries how does that really happen it just didn't happen by chance I, I know that these events, for some, can be explained away with big fancy words and theories. But you can save all the scientific jargon. I, I know there are processes and there are theories. I, I didn't fall off the bread truck yesterday, the old saying. But anyone and, and, and everyone who tries to explain them, for me, it's just incomplete. They, they fall flat because Jesus really has risen. We seem to let Easter kind of slip in and out quietly and quickly in our world. I, I mean, we celebrate it mainly with Easter bunnies and eggs and all kinds of other things that really have nothing to do with the Resurrection Day. You ever pondered in the wonder and the beauty of that empty tomb when those folks looked in? Can you imagine... Uh, what was really going on? I mean, we have some recording of what they said and what happened, but there's some emotional things there that are just probably not recorded for us. How exciting it would have been. And my thought for you today is very, very simple. The claim of the mystery of the resurrection. Claim that mystery as your own. Don't try to explain it away. Don't try, maybe super hard to try to understand it. Just sit down and approach it with some common sense and questions. And start asking yourself if the biblical account is true that Jesus was arrested. He was put on trial by the Jewish folks. They find him guilty, but they can't kill him, so they take him to Rome, to the Gentiles. Uh, he has a trial there. He's beaten without mercy. 
this flogging that he would go through, uh, many people died just from the flogging alone. They would bleed to death. Uh, if they didn't bleed to death, uh, they would die from you know a really bad infection a day or two later. This whip would open up your flesh and expose your lungs and your kidneys and everything else. And yet, Jesus is forced to carry his own cross. Now, by my best estimates, looking at maps and things, uh, he carried his own cross for about a mile and a half. I have no idea how heavy this thing was. It wouldn't matter. The man has been beaten. He's pretty weak. And when he gets to the spot where they're going to crucify him, uh, they rip his clothes off. They, they strip him of his clothes. He's standing there with nothing on. And they began to put nails through his hands and his feet to hold his body to the wooden frame of the cross, where he's going to be hung and suspended for three hours. Now, many people would be hung and suspended on that for days. But gasping for air, and, and he's still bleeding out. Can you imagine that old raw wood? Every time he needed to breathe, he had a push-up on his feet, which had nails in it, and now his backside is wide open. And can you just imagine the smell, the flies, the bugs, the biting, and the birds swarming around, the vultures, I don't, you know, not counting the people that are vultures, okay? And they're watching him slowly die. And this includes his close friends and family. They're there. Not all of them, but most of them. And something else to keep in mind is that these soldiers were professional executioners. I mean, that's just like the hangman of our day. Uh, you hung until you're dead. I guarantee you, there's a doctor there that checks the heart, makes sure that that person is dead. These guys knew how to do their job, and they did it very well. They were very proficient at it. The failure for them to not follow through with their orders would have caused them great grief, perhaps even a loss of their lives. So... When they go to break the legs of these two other people to speed up their death, notice here in John chapter 19, verses 31 and following, it says, Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that their bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that was the high Sabbath day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and their name might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then the other who was crucified with him. Verse 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Now, most believers don't really always believe that Jesus really died. And that's because they've never really studied this out. They've just taken some commentator or off the internet or off the local news or whatever uh, some preacher doesn't know what he's talking about doesn't study it out uh, if these if Jesus was still alive I guarantee you these men would have broken Jesus's legs as well uh, failure to do so again would have led for them being punished uh, for not uh, commending the death of this man so if there's any doubt uh, if you notice here in John 19.34, but one of the soldiers pierced his side, and with the spear at once there came out blood and water. Okay, so now they showed a spear up through his lung, probably hit his heart cavity, 
without major medical treatment immediately, uh, he would have died from this alone. And so I guarantee you there was no doctor there to take care of that. And then you have a tomb that's sealed with a Roman seal. And then you have a guard sitting out in front. And I doubt seriously it's one man. Okay, there's probably more than one. The followers of Jesus would, they would not have dared to break the seal and go past the guards, carry off a dead body in hopes that they didn't get spotted. Okay, so carrying around a, a dead man in through Jerusalem, uh, they would most likely lost their lives in the process. They would have been spotted. His body is placed in an empty tomb. In other words, there are no other human remains in that tomb. If there was, I, I, the Roman and the Jewish leaders would have pulled it out and they would have claimed, there's your Jesus. But that never happened. There's absolutely no recording in the Bible that ever occurring. So if Jesus did not die, then our hope in the gospel is already done for. If he really didn't walk out of that grave, then the question also has to be, why would thousands of people risk their own lives and their property in the first century there? So many people did. They lost their lives. They were willing to die for what they believed in. Just having a little faith, the, the faith of a mustard seed, as Jesus would say, in those promises of God will bring you and I a new life. A new life as a Christian and the belief and the peace of knowing that the scriptures are correct, that Jesus really did die he really did suffer and all that, and he really walked out of that grave. You, just like Peter, will be amazed when you can come to that conclusion. Yes, Jesus really rose from the dead. I truly, truly believe that. There is no doubt in my mind. I certainly hope and pray that this podcast has been edifying for you. I hope that you, if you're new to the podcast, that you certainly would uh, tell your friends and family about us. Make sure you hit that like button and follow us. We enjoy the comments, too, that people do leave. If you have a, a comment you'd like to, to leave us, please do so. Again, uh, if you want to uh, subscribe to us and get the alerts off of your uh, podcasting app, I know a lot of people do that now. It's really neat. And we're so make sure you hit that like button, follow button on your favorite podcasting app so you get that alert and it'll download for you automatically. And I know a lot of people listen to us through headphones around the world. They go jogging or walking or whatever, and I think that's really neat too. Again, I want to say thank you for listening. May God bless you, and may He have the glory. Amen.